0: Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Have you got your Bibles? Does anybody have an actual Bible here? Yeah. Yeah, holy cow. This side is way holier than this side. There you go. There you go. We got one, two. There you go. Three. Well, you're you're kind of in the center. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I won't judge you if you got your phone completely. I judge you a little bit, but I'm kidding. Kind of. Uh, so Luke five. We're gonna read a couple of scriptures um, at the at the top. I, I'll be honest with you. This is not a sermon that's gonna like. Holy cow! That's a great one-liner to tweet about later. This this we're going to talk about prayer this morning. I've, I, I, this is part of the foundations of faith um, that that we started a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Quentin taught, uh, Pastor Quentin taught um, on Jesus is Lord. I taught on repentance. I can't remember what Q taught on after that. We taught kind of briefly on on baptism last Sunday. I have no idea what what Q is preaching on. Next Sunday, but this morning I want to talk about prayer Um, and and specifically uh, the the Lord's Prayer. This is, like I said, it's probably more of a teaching than it is a preaching, but we're going to do it um, because it's important. Amen. Amen. So Luke 5, 5, uh, 15 and 16 says, But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and the great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. If you have your Bible flip the page to Luke 16:12. Says in these days he went out to the mountain to pray and all the night he continued in prayer to God. All the night he continued in prayer to God. flip the page again. Luke 9, verses 18. It said, Now it happened that he was praying alone with the disciples. And he asked them, What do the crowd who do the crowds say that I am? If you skip down a, a couple of scriptures to 9 uh, verse 28. It says, now eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, and he went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. Skip to Scripture, verse 34. And he was saying these things, and a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid to enter the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And one more, Luke 11, verse one says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Notice that prayer was something that Jesus was about, that it was the center point of his life with God. It's woven into the the fabric of his day-to-day existence. If I'm reading the story right, Jesus didn't look at, at, at prayer as a drag, didn't look at it as a, a checkoff list um, to get guilt and shame off of his heart. It seemed as though Jesus really enjoyed the company of his Father. And maybe I'm reading it wrong, but I think based off of even just these scriptures, he enjoyed prayer. At times, he would literally encounter God and be transformed in his prayers. Now, if we're honest, this is not the experience that most of us have in prayer. Like if I were to send out a, a survey to the Father's House Church, all the attendees, and the, it was like one simple, easy, one, one question survey. And that survey is, do you think you're killing it in your prayer life? And by killing it, I mean like good Do you think like you're just on top of your game when it comes to the prayer life like you just you and God you just you got a connection and it is amazing you don't need a teaching series on prayer you don't need to read a book about prayer like you and 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 God are just perfect my guess is that the majority of us would not check the yes box to that if we're being brutally honest, most of us, our prayer life doesn't feel any way at all. Like, if anything, it, it, it feels like kind of boring, right? Compared to like Netflix and Disney Plus and HBO Hallmark. <laughs> Lost me on that one, Ann, sorry. <laughs> it feels kind of a, a bit of a drag, right? Like... Like it's some religious guilt or duty or obligation. And, and some of us are like, you know, when, when you finally work up the, the, the amount of strength to pray, like you haven't prayed in days and so, or you haven't prayed in weeks, maybe, who knows. And you're like, I've got to fit all of this prayer into one prayer, right? And so you start praying and like you're praying for everything. You're praying for this person and that person. You're praying for the anointing here and for healing there. And you're praying that these eyes would be open and these eyes would hear. And you're praying for the anointing of your home and you're praying for the vehicle to work and you're praying for all this stuff only to get done and realize you've only prayed like a minute and 32 seconds. You're like, (laughs) okay. So then you start praying for like world peace and that everybody would eat that day and all of these things to the point where it's like, you, you're doing this because you, you want God to know that you still love him and that you hope that he still loves you, but you're tired. It's been a long week. It's been a long couple of weeks, and you just, Yellowstone season four is out, and we're just tired. The reality of it is, is that we live in a very difficult age, and these, these feelings that we have about prayer um, we live in a very difficult age to pray consistently for, for lots of different reasons. One of them being the, the, the digital distractions, right? Like there are companies that spend billions of dollars every year on marketing to distract and addict us. Like we have these, these phones. I had a phone. I don't know. Do you have my phone? Can I have that phone? Let me see that phone. You have all these phones, Right these little computers in your hand, and it's like, you know, you pay for the iPhone or whatever phone you have, but this phone doesn't work for you. It works for some company in Silicon Valley, right? We live in this digital distraction where it's like, you go, like, you just, you can't get away from it. It's sitting on your lap. You have your Bible on it. How ironic. Do you remember like in the early 2000s, maybe late 90s, the the thing called boredom? (laughs) Yeah. And before anybody gets on their hires, they like, I work all the time, I'm never bored, I've never been bored, no, no, no. Like everyone has stood in a grocery store with, well, everyone, I don't know, my age and older, everyone stood in a grocery store line without a cell phone. You're like, oh, yeah, that boredom. I completely understand that boredom. We didn't have self-checkout, right? Like our biggest fight back then was the the 15 or less, and ma'am, I think you got 16, so you need to move on the other line. <laughs> Stop me when I lie. It's a thing. To be honest with you, though, as I was sitting here, kind of thinking about this, and 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 and, and typing it out, and I it it was probably more convicting for me than anything because how many times do we just waste when we have the ability you know it's it's in the grocery store line and we probably wouldn't have thought about it anyway who knows but those are moments those those quote-unquote bo- boredom moments where it's like I can take a big deep breath I may not be able to pray for for um, hours on end but to be able to sit in and, and just say thank you God I tell the teenagers all of the time like no one wants to pray. And no one wants to pray. If I asked the teenagers, hey, anybody of you, any one of you guys want to come up and pray? Not a chance. But the reality of it is, is like if I asked some of you guys in here, hey, will you get up in front of everybody and, and, and give a prayer? You're like, no. Why? Because we are judging ourselves as much as we feel being judged by other people. And yet the reality of it is, is we're talking to God. Like sometimes God's not interested in your puffed-up prayers; He's just interested in you saying hi. Yes. Like this is very frustrating to me because um, I I used to I, I I used to hate standing in front of people, let alone like talk in class. Anybody in here? Like I got I, I talk to Hampton all the time. Like he's got to read out loud in class. I would do everything I could not to do those things. Was that you? Yeah, I I can't stand it. You know, you guys hear me read. I'm not a good reader. I own it today. You just have to deal with it. Well, back then I was scared to death. And yet to think like, and and we're going to talk about this because I'm now getting off my notes. But like to think prayer has to be something of performance is the exact opposite of what Jesus wants in regards to prayer. Jesus doesn't need you to recite the dictionary. Jesus Jesus wants you to say hi. One of the the other things that that get in our way today is wealth. We are the, uh, we got more money in this generation than than we ever have before. And so we pray, um, you know, Why pray when you have a a good job and good health insurance? Which I realize health insurance and good, like they don't always mingle. But at least one of us got it. Thanks. Yeah. We think that money can do the same thing as prayer. It's just easier and quicker. We don't want to wait around for God to provide. We got these dollars and we're just going to, this is what I think I need for my life. And so, I'm going to put this here. Plus, with more money comes more activity. You have a little extra, you do a little more, and we become busy, hellaciously busy. It's one of the things that I've been um, convicted over the last couple of weeks. Um, is you you meet someone or you you're, you haven't seen a friend for a little while? I did it last night at family pictures, talking to Will Thacker. He's like, "Hey, how's how's life?" Oh, it's. Unbelievably busy, Will. Unbelievably busy. And it's like, man, maybe, as I was praying this morning, I I had thought about that. Maybe maybe those things need to convict us for change, not just to lament about how busy we are. Because the majority of the things we're busy with are things we signed up for, right? Football on a Sunday afternoon. (laughs) High schools infuriate the snot out of me these days. Because it's like, we're just going to schedule something on Wednesday night at 7. Oh, cool. Because Bueller Singers is important. Over your faith. Fantastic. i got feelings. Sorry. One of the other things, secularism. Secularism is in the air we breathe today. And it is unfortunate. The unfortunate part about it is is that we are surrounded by it in such a way that it has created cynicism in our own hearts. Do you ever feel like when you pray, it's like, it's just a shopping list to the air, to the sky above, right? Like it's, it's just this, this shopping list that I'm not saying everybody's prayer life is like this. Uh, that, that's, that's not what, what I'm saying. But what I do think is that prayer has a tendency to be a weak spot in our relationship with Jesus, and yet it's supposed to be the most important thing we do in our relationship with Jesus. It's more important than reading the Bible. It's more important than coming to church. Your relationship with Jesus and how you communicate with him is of utmost importance. When you think about it, what, what comes to, to your mind when you think of prayer? What is it? It's, it's a, a prayer is talking with God. It's, it's not a talking to God. It's a talking with God. It's a conversation piece. Dale and I were talking before first service, and he he was asking, he was like, oh, man, this is great. Just to understand that there is a a talking back and forth. I tell the the teenagers on a regular basis, um, you know, just... What does it mean to be in relationship with God? It means to to communicate. It means to talk. And so I talk about, um, have any of you guys been married long enough? It's like you get on the phone with your wife and you know immediately whether or not she's having a good day or a bad day. Oh, 100%. Yeah, saw one hand. saw two hands. Thanks for being honest. Yeah. Adam's back there like, oh, I got an (laughs) itch. Yeah. Yeah. You are in... In conversation with God, prayer is the practice, but with all practices, it's, it's, it's a, a means to an end. You don't pray to pray. You pray to commune with God. You pray to be in, in relationship with God. Prayer is something we have to figure out. And the best prayer I know, the best person to look at, I know, is not Bishop Quinn. It's not Grandma Cindy. She's a good prayer. It's not Stephen Furtick. It's not the Pope. His name's Jesus. The best prayer I know is Jesus. And so when we look at the scripture back at, at Luke 11, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when, when he finished, one of the disciples says, Lord, teach us to pray. What's interesting about this question is there's four disciples. Or, or, not? excuse me. Um, four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus does some really great things through both the, all those scriptures, right like you see Jesus heal um, the, the the sick, um, heal the lame, like one of the the more impactful scriptures for me over the course of the last couple of years is like Jesus um, healing the paralytic. like can you imagine the disciples are sitting there watching this dude um, be lowered from the ceiling placed in front of Jesus Jesus talks to him and he gets up and walks these disciples are, are hearing Jesus' sermons like the sermon on the mount that, that changes people's minds in, in crazy different ways I've never heard Jesus he, you see Jesus do all of these things these disciples see all of this and not one time do they ask hey Jesus can you teach me to pray like that I told First Service in 2015, uh, beginning of Advent, it was the first time I ever preached in the main sanctuary. And you know, just thinking uh, uh, about this, like I, that, that I was scared out my mind to stand in front of you people. Uh, we were, we were talking about this, um, this last weekend, like when I first started preaching on a Sunday morning, we would have quote unquote camo Sundays. Do you guys remember that? Like we only did it like two or three times, but it was you guys as a way of rallying around me and saying, Hey, FYI, I love you. Good job. It was really awesome. Yeah. another story or another, another, another Sunday morning, but I I remember going to Quentin and I was like, buddy, I got a degree in psychology. I have no idea anything about hermeneutics. I have no idea how it is that I'm supposed to go from point A to point B. And I don't know how to speak in front of people. I know how to speak in front of these guys because I can be authentic with these guys and they love me. I can be authentic with you and you judge me. (laughs) (laughs) The disciples didn't ask, hey, I saw you do that miracle. How'd you do that? I, I, I saw the, a, a lady with an issue of blood touch the hem of your garment. You didn't even touch him. How did you do that? The disciples weren't interested in that. The disciples were interested in how you prayed. Jesus, I see your communion with God. I see your relationship with God is so in tune that all of these other things are happening. Sometimes we as Christians just want to see God do a dance up here and get the miracle, but they don't understand the prayer that got that miracle. It is the relationship that he had with God that the, the disciples were interested in. He said, so, bro, we've been doing this a time or two. Like, can you teach me? Can you teach us how to pray? And Jesus answered them. Matthew, uh, or excuse me, Luke eleven two. 2. He said, yeah, man, I'll teach you how to pray. When you pray, say. And it goes into the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, when you pray. Yeah, just, he didn't, he did, he did, it, it, was, it was very specific. Jesus said, when you pray, you need to say This. He didn't say, when you pray, just, you know, kind of just riff with it and see how, see what comes out your mouth. No, no, no. He said, when you pray, I want you to say these exact words. I was thinking about this uh, this morning, this week. um, So Henley, I don't know if you saw my six-year-old, he he was up here playing guitar with a cowboy hat on, pretty good looking. Um, And, you know, he's just strumming away and he wants to learn how to play guitar, but he's six, which is not a problem at all. You just got to find a guitar, which is just one more thing I got to buy that he can get his little hands around. Right. And so he's got this guitar that was given to him a couple of weeks ago. And he said, Hey dad, will, will you teach me how to play guitar? And it's like, if you only knew what the, the, the question you were asking, that's, I can't, but I, we can start. And so I know he can't get his hand around the, the neck of the guitar. I know like you think about this, I stand here on a weekly basis holding metal strings to wood so it sounds pretty for you guys. Like Henley at the age of six is not going to be able to hold these metal strings down on a neck that's too big for him on a piece of wood and create calluses in less than 30 minutes. This is going to hurt him and he's going to be upset, but he wants to learn. So I take him in there and I show him an A chord which is like the easiest chord in the world to, to play. I said, this is how you do it. This is what it sounds like. You got it? I sh- saw his little fingers try and get on there, and I walked out the door. Yeah, was a solid parenting moment on my, my end. That's not how Jesus asked us to pray. I didn't spend the time that I spent with Hampton this year on Hampton Wants to Learn How to Pitch, which I'll spend all the time on, Right? I spent time after time, hour after hour. Hampton, no, you're, you're flying open. You got to stay closed. You got to keep that front shoulder closed. Hampton, you got to do this. Hampton, you got to do this. No, no, no. I don't need you to do that. I need you to do this. And this is why. You spend time with him dissecting. And, and it's completely boring to you guys outside of Luis and I. But it is like, I, I, I love it. The, that is how Jesus told these disciples to pray. When you pray, say This. Father, hallowed be your name. Your your kingdom come. Give us each daily our bread and forgive us our sin. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. You probably, if you've been around here very often, notice that that's a way shorter version than what we recite this, there's four Gospels. You find the Lord's Prayer in two of the Gospels Luke and Matthew. Matthew is the editor's edition, it's the long edition, it's the one we use. Luke, you have to understand why it's shorter. He was a doctor, and what doctor do you know that writes longhand? <laughs> you, don't. you don't. You guys work for one back there, yeah. You don't. So it's shortened. I want to break this, this prayer down a, a little bit, and I'll, I'll try and hurry to get you guys out on time, but we have to understand that it, it, the beginning of this prayer is, a, is Jesus lays a framework for prayer, for, for, for future prayers, for the prayers that we pray today. Jesus is laying a groundwork, and it's important to point out that Jesus doesn't start by asking for things. Jesus doesn't. I don't know about you, but but there are too many times where I start off my prayers with, "God, I need this," or "God, I want this to happen," or "Please, God." That doesn't say that I'm ungodly. It doesn't say that I'm a bad Christian. It's just as more like a Christmas list that you're reading to Santa, or rubbing a, a, a genie hoping that he gives me what it is that I want. No, no, no. He's laying a framework to say, "I'll get to your needs." But there's some stuff we got to take care of first. There's four things that I want to I point out. Number one, very first line, God is your father. One line, first word, father. This is Jesus' favorite name for God, father. Jesus looked at God as his father, and he is looking to us, wanting us to look to him God as our Father. Now, I realize today that may be a difficult thing for some people. It is not lost on me that over the course of the last couple of decades, the family structure has continued to falter, and and Father may have left a wound in your heart. They may have failed you in some way, shape, or form. They may have beat you. At a a young age, you may have never been able to live up to your father's standards. I have no idea. Maybe he molested you at a young age. I don't know. But Father has today could carry unhealthy weight. And I want you to know that I realize that. I want you to know that, that, that God realizes that. And though the journey may be long, though the journey may be difficult, And it may be painful, it is a journey worth taking. Father, the number one thing you need to know about prayer is that God is your Father. I think what Jesus was getting at is that how you perceive God will make or break your prayer life. How you perceive God will make or break your prayer life. There's a a pastor named John Tyson out of New York said, said this about prayer. He said, unless you break the strongholds of false images of God in your mind, you'll never be drawn to prayer. I'm going to repeat that line. Unless you break the stronghold of false images of God in your mind, you'll never be drawn to prayer. The angels have been locked in a room with God for thousands of years, and they still haven't gotten past the word holy, holy, holy. If you're bored with God, you may be the person who's boring. Or it could be just that you're distracted by trivia in our culture. When you break through the boredom, you'll be drawn to the glory of who God really is. So think about it. What is your view on God? Do you look at God as a grumpy old man in the sky, upset with you because you haven't prayed this week? Do you, do you look at God as the CEO of the universe um, and we're just little peons and why would he want to have a conversation with me? I mean, if that's your view of God, why would you want to pray? I completely understand why you wouldn't. How you see God is important. If you see God as your father, though, I've got five boys in the house, one that's getting ready to move out, one that's talking over there and not paying attention. Just trying to give you Jesus, bro. <laughs> Still going to break that neck. Prayer, prayer, prayer. No, I got got five boys who I, I would not profess to say that I'm the best father in the world. I don't have fatherhood down. If you do talk to me afterwards, I could use some tips. But they seem to like me, and Heather continues to ask me to come home. So I must be doing something okay. I love my children, and I have a great relationship with them. And when I come home from long day of work, just just not too long ago, I came home from a trip in New Mexico. I was gone for a period of days. That doesn't happen very often in our home. We're very lucky for that. And so when it does happen, it's it's kind of weird. And you come home, and the three and the six year old, um, like I come home, I, I say, "Hey guys!" And the three and the six year old are running to me, "Daddy!" The nine year old Hezekiah, he's behind me, or behind them, not too far. The preteen over here, well, he's a preteen, so you have no idea what it is that you're going to get from him from day to day. He'll show me affection to some degree. Nah. They know that I love them, but more than that, they know that I like them. And so they want to spend time. They want to do things together. I'm very grateful for that. They want to do all of the things, actually. Hey, Dad, can you teach me to hunt? Can you teach me to fish? Hey, Dad, can, can we play basketball? Can we play baseball? Can we do this? Can we do that? Can you teach me how to play guitar? Dad, can we get a new four-wheeler? Can we get this? Can we get this? Can we get this? To the point where it's like you want to look at them and say, do you think that I'm made of money and sin? What? What is the problem? But no, they have the ability we've created an atmosphere where they can ask questions, where they feel free to ask the questions because they know their father loves them and their father has the best intentions for them. And Jesus is sitting here saying, I need you. I want you to look at God as your father because he is a good God and because he has the best of intentions for you. Number two, God is as close as the air up against your skin our Father who art in heaven. He's as close as the air up against your skin. Here's the problem. We think of of heaven as like, depending on when you grew up, I would assume has a a part to play in it. But like, I think of heaven two different ways. I think of heaven with like streets of gold, right? Because it says it. And, and mansions, but then you kind of start to like wonder what, how big those mansions are. I think of mansion and think, I don't have the ability to afford one of those, so why would one be given to me? And you know, like Michael W. Smith and Chris Tomlin and Stephen Curtis Chapman, they got to be playing over the whatever, because we think of heaven as this place that we go to when we die. But the, the, the literal transra- translation is Aranas in the Greek, and it says, um, which means the air in the sky. So think of it this way when you hear that, our Father in heaven, think of it as our Father in air. Everywhere we go, there is air. We teach you guys all of the time, I've said it multiple times this morning. That we believe that God is with us. And if not careful, if you haven't grown up in the faith, if you don't know what it is, that can be like awfully weird, right? God is here. I don't, I don't quite understand that. Until you understand what this is saying, Jesus is giving us a framework for prayer. I need you to understand that he is our father and I need you to understand that he is with us now as close as the air up against your skin. We sing that song, um, greater you Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. It now takes on new meaning that I, I, that's not a a weird, like want to be cool thing. Like that's an actual thing that our father in heaven is with us. Maybe it's just me, but for me, the, the reason, and Pastor Quentin has always told me, if you're preaching to no one else, preach to yourself. Maybe this sermon is just for me, because this is opening my eyes to a way to pray that I, to be honest with you, too many times probably haven't prayed. Too many times my concerns and my needs have come before the honoring of the fact that God is with me right now, and that God is a good God, and he does have good intentions for me. Number three, the primary goal of prayer is joyful, worshipful enjoyment of the Father's company. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Another tricky line, um, because w- we don't really use hallowed very much, right? Like we did family pictures last night. I think I've said that like 10 times already. So um, I didn't look, Heather looked good. Cause my wife's hot yeah she is i don't know who said that but you back off hey bro don't don't raise your hand that's mine old pink shirt back there's like i don't know what i do what i do what I do. No, i'm kidding man i'm kidding kind of um anyhow what was i saying so Hollywood be thy name i didn't look at heather and say Hollywood be your outfit dear no i didn't but what does Hollywood mean It means to set apart as holy, to set apart as holy. But what does holy mean? We have to understand we have a moral word for holy, that people live a holy life. And while that is true, both in the Hebrew of the Old Testament and the Greek of the New Testament, it's not just moral. It's about being good and beautiful and true. It's about being unique and special without parallel in the universe. He is unique. He is good. He is beautiful. There is no one other like God. God is full of love. God is full of peace. God is full of joy. Paul talks about this in Galatians 5 that the, the fruit of the Spirit are these things, love, joy, and peace. In a couple of weeks, we're going to start Advent, and it's hope, joy, peace, and love. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit is the byproduct of the Spirit of God who is in you and I right now. And so that when we tap into his spirit we tap into love and we tap into joy and we tap into peace have you ever noticed like when you when you had those moments of dist- uh, uh, that you could cut the distraction and you take a big deep breath and you do everything you can to just focus for a moment on god i, I don't know about you, for you but for me it is instantaneous like if i do this if i get before him if i collect myself like as as you start to to pray and as you start to converse with God it's like you naturally just feel this peace the peace that surpasses all understanding you naturally feel like i know everything outside of this bubble that i'm in right now is chaotic but oh my goodness i've got peace for a moment maybe just for a moment oh my goodness that is a love that I long for. And you walk out of those moments with a joy that can only come from the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about happiness. I'm talking about full of joy, even in the midst of hell. The reality of it is, is that a lot of us feel disconnected from God. God has never left. God will never leave. God is the same today yesterday and forever so if you feel disconnected then maybe it is us that have disconnected and for whatever reason i'm not here to judge i'm not interested in in that i, I struggle with the same thing i i, I told first service um i've i just in a moment of transparency that there was a time in, in my life not too long ago where I, feel, I felt so disconnected from God. Like, you, ever, you guys ever go through a tough spot? Maybe I've already asked this question. You guys ever go through a tough spot and you're like, like the, the thing you do is push God away? Just me? Cool. I was diagnosed with cancer and I wanted to not have anything to do with God. Not because I was mad at God. Not because I felt like, FYI, God doesn't give you cancer. I don't know if you think that, but it's not a thing. And if you need to have a conversation with me afterwards about it, you can. God doesn't. God doesn't give you Alzheimer's. God. God doesn't give you pancreatic cancer. God doesn't give you ALS. God doesn't give you depression. God's not a God who's interested in seeing whether or not, hey, so I'm gonna give you this this test and just see whether or not you have the ability to deal with it. And depending on how you deal with it, depends on how much I give you. That's not the God. It's not the God I'm talking about. But I, I was very disconnected from God. I was struggling. I was hurt. I didn't understand. My mortality was I, was, I was facing it. We all, you may not have been diagnosed with cancer, but your reality is your reality just as much as it is for me. So your struggle is as big, I'm not trying to pull the cancer card. I sometimes hate talking about it, and yet it's the easiest thing for me to say, listen, I struggle with being disconnected with God too. And everybody who ever has stood in this pulpit or any other pulpit in this world has felt the same way. It is our job to refocus and say, God, I'm sorry. Father, you are good. Father, I know you have the best intentions for me. Father, I know you're close, even though I am in a very lonely spot. Father, you are holy, you are set apart. And number four, your prayers really do matter. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your prayers really do matter. I have no idea what your prayer life is like. If if you've ever been like me at some point in time in my life, I have thought that it doesn't matter what I pray because it just, and yet these three words, your kingdom come, have the potential to change everything for you. Your kingdom come. Jesus says this is the main way or one of the main ways that God enters and it is through our prayers. Jesus genuinely believes that our prayers change our reality. If we're honest this morning, I would assume some of us in here probably don't necessarily believe that. But it's true. It's true. Our prayers really do change. We we, we don't believe it for a handful of reasons. And we, we do a good job of even spiritualizing it sometimes. It's like, well God's in control or everything happens for a reason but Jesus seems to believe that when we pray something happens and when we don't pray nothing happens our request to God like there's a difference in our atmosphere in God's response to us God's response to our prayers, they're not a charade. So when you pray, you need to understand that your reality is changing. One of the best ways, I think, to kind of think about this is, like, when we, we pray, we come, we come before God, and, and we ask Christ into our hearts, and we expect instant change from everything the changes that you hoped for, all the changes that your family hoped that you would change, like all the things, right? I prayed the the sinner's prayer, and I prayed the prayer of salvation, whatever it may be, and you expect everything to change, and everything did, but because it didn't look like you thought it was supposed to look like, you just, oh, there's one unanswered prayer, but God starts in your heart. Because out of your heart, flows rivers of living water this morning I want you to understand that your prayers change your reality your prayers change your reality and be and it is because you have a God that is a father who has the best of intentions a God who doesn't sit from a cloud looking down on you but walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death who is holy 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 holy, set apart like no other and who believes in you he believes in you you may not believe in yourself, I could preach that message for the rest of my life, but He believes in you, so when you come to Him, your reality does change. Stand with me. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you, and you can become one of our givers, and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless, and I'll see you next time.